Hello? I realized something. So they have nine album, nine studio albums, right? Yes. There are three per decade. Oh, I didn't even notice that. There are a trilogy of records per decade. This is the last of the 90s. Something that we might want to consider in terms of like how we discuss that. That's absolutely literally right. occurred to me, Wait, let me see. Uh, yesterday. Yeah, wait, 95, 97, 99, 02, 05, 07, 11, 14, 17, and then 21. Very, very cool observation. I something, never thought of that. Something interesting as we structure these, like, but we're, that's coming into, we're coming into the we're coming into the end of the trill of the '90s era. Yeah, the no, I, '90s trilogy. I love that. I absolutely love that. Yeah. <sighs> Give me one second. Yep. Welcome to Walking After Foo, the album-by-album album discussion podcast of all things Foo Fighters. I am one of your hosts, Andrew Williamson, and I will introduce my co-host in a second. This is a really great episode. I'm really excited. This is the third in the series leading up to the new album, Medicine at Midnight. Uh, this is There Is Nothing Left to Lose, their 1999 release. And joining me today... My friend, my co-host, my partner in crime, Mr. Peter. Hello there. Thank you for that beautiful How's it intro. Going? My fellow partner in crime, my fellow host of many years. How are you yes. doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm excited to talk about this record. You just said it, 1999's There Is Nothing Left to Lose. Uh, if you are just joining us, uh, as Andrew mentioned, this is the Walking After Foo podcast, an album-by-album breakdown of the Foo Fighters discography leading up to Medicine at Midnight. Episode one was the solo Dave Grohl debut, Foo Fighters in 1995. After that, The Color and the Shape of 1997. And here you are in episode three with us talking about uh, a really interesting album in the totality of Foo Fighters music. Um, Andrew, why don't you give us kind of just a, a little, little kind of intro into this album, if you will. Sure. So as we said, this is the third record. They finished Color in the Shape and Foo Fighters went on tour. They, Dave had done the drumming for this record. They brought in a new drummer from Alanis, Morris, Alanis Morissette's band, Taylor Hawkins, their uh, permanent drummer from here on out. Uh, went on tour, uh, an original rhythm guitarist, Pat uh, Smear, who toured in Nirvana, was also in The Germs. Uh, he left the band. They brought in one of Dave's old friends from the band Scream to tour with them. That didn't work out. Decided to came home and recorded this in Alexandria, Virginia, in the original Studio 606 as a trio. Uh, this is a studio that Dave just built in his house in Virginia. He's from Virginia. He, this is also actually the first one not a hit with not him as a Seattleite. Interesting enough. Huh. After the divorce, I guess he moved back home to you know be in Virginia with where his mom is. Uh, and they just went and recorded and barbecued all day. Apparently, it was a very fun album to record. Uh, I think 
Uh, I think you hinted at it last in the last episode. This is it did one that he said was one of his favorite to record. It is, and I quote, might be his favorite album that they have ever done. Huge, considering we are only three albums in to their lifespan of soon to be 10. And that was like 20 years ago. So I'm really, I don't know when that quote's from. I'm really hoping that, uh, you know, maybe some of that's like adjusted, but. Well, you'd like to think the best was yet to come. And in many respects, maybe we feel it was. But we don't know that yet because we haven't made it there. Exactly. Yeah. We're, we're, ju- we're just, we're like- just here at, at, you know, record three. So there's plenty more to see. And, you know, hopefully it's not all downhill from here. I, well, I know it's not, but. Well, look, I think the Backstreet Boys are going ha- to take off. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing some hype about Millennium. It's going to be huge. Their world tour has been amazing. They got the 2000 election coming up. I mean, it's big on. stuff. It's come big on. stuff coming here. Yeah. You know, Y2K, like, let's go, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's where we are in our minds. We're in 1990. Yeah, we have to bring ourselves back. Uh, so let's, let's, let's bring ourselves back. So let's do it. When this record came out, I was eight. I did not know it. I had not heard it. I did not hear it at all. Uh, I didn't hear this record actually until college. I, this is the last record I got of theirs. Really? This is the, I got this after Wasting Light. I got this after, I think after like 2012 or 2013. I didn't, this is the, one of the last records I picked up of theirs. Wow. Interesting. I, I think probably because the only song that was like, would have been on their greatest hits would have been Learn to Fly. Uh, and I, I guess it, it just didn't, I just didn't hear it. I didn't hear it until, yeah, I didn't really hear it until college. When well, similar yeah, similar for me. I mean, it's Learn to Fly is what you hear first. We'll get into Learn to Fly because that was the commercial success. Similar to you, it, it took me until mid-college years to really dig into that part of the library to say, okay, what else about the Foo Fighters don't I know? Um, and surprisingly, you know, there's a lot to learn from this, that if you are going to call yourself a Foo Fighters aficionado, you'd be remiss to leave this album out. This is so different. You know, we've, we, we talked about it last time, how, you know, the first, this, you know, the last record, Color and the Shape, really felt like the first time was like a full band. It felt different from the demos, the kind of the demo-y sound, the grungy sound of, you know, the, the debut. But this, right. like, it's not even like there's like, oh, there's like a clear next step. This does take a left turn. This a takes like a slight left turn. I mean, from their other style. It's very weird. Like, I, I wasn't expecting this. It's Thinking, it's all, thinking in order and yeah. also knowing what comes after it. Like, this is, I, I feel like they're still, they're still finding themselves in that, yes. in this style as they go through. Uh, also, I just think it's interesting also that Dave did stop drumming, finally. The drummer of Nirvana finally was like, okay, I'm going to, I trust this guy. He can drum. He, we can record him drumming. I'm just going to do guitars. And he did all the guitars. It's it's a uh, it's a reflection of trust and maybe even comfort. Um, you mentioned the barbecuing. This is a more melodic. Some people say experimental. I would say soft rock. If if anything, I think this is probably the most. If you are, uh, let me put it this way: If you are a Foo Fighters fan and you were a fan of. The, the harder stuff, the grungier music, and you have friends or family that are not at that 
that speed with you. Give them this album. Doesn't matter if it's not the most commercially successful one. Does not matter if it's the most there's enough recent one. Th- this one has a lot of spectrum to it. Right. You can find something in here. Exactly. Somewhere in here is this is definitely a good jumping into point for Foo Fighters. Right. If you think you might like if you don't know them, you could find a song in here. Sort of, it kind of reminds me in a weird way that just thinking of this is it has a white album esque feel to it and i'm going to explain that i'm surprised you say that for this one (laughs) the white album for the beatles uh not this isn't their double record but it is the one that has a lot of changes there's different genres there's different pieces to it uh where similar to the white album has you know each side kind of has a completely different feel and environment there's folk and country and bluegrass and proto metal and blues and acoustic ballads and that's something that you kind of have here in a sense if you're you're listening and you're like oh i like you know this song oh well you oh you like met you might like metal okay well there's a song for you on this here you kind of like you like pop you like alternative rock there's several songs in here for that several several you like a little like there's a little bit of like a country twang or like a little bit of like a you know, like a folk rock or something like that. Oh, that's in here. You like acoustic stuff? That's in here too. There's a little bit of everything. You know, there's, there's like an indie vibe in here. That's in there too. So there's enough different variations on rock. If you think you might, you know, you want to find a rock band, you don't know where to go. This is a good place to go to start. And then you can take different songs. Oh, I like this song. We'll go to this record next. What I find most interesting in terms of how it was received, because I think it's a good point to talk about it now. We don't have to go through the whole track listing to get to this, is keep in mind this fact. Color in the Shape was and through present day remains the highest selling album in the history of the Foo Fighters discography. And most likely because of the advent of digital streaming and the ability to purchase singles coming into the new millennium, the new century, it would be a, an expected trend to see those sales fall. But it's interesting to note that despite winning the Grammy for Best Rock Album the, you know, in 2001, being the first ever Grammy win for the Foo Fighters, despite being this all-in-one package that we are describing it as, it was not on the charts received in such a way. And it's surprising because it almost seemed like as much as it was a, you know, a detour sonically from where they were, maybe, many people may have been confused at first. They may have been like, well, hold on. I just got so used to the monkey wrenches of the Foo Fighters. I got so used to... You know, that Foo Fighters. What is Alone this? and Easy Targets. Alone and Easy Target. Yeah, this is what, a calls. This is a calls. But we're getting more Big Me. We're getting more for all the cows, maybe. Like, like where? Maybe. Maybe. Well, like, you know, so what's up? I, I think that that's partially, you know, for the color and the shape. That one definitely has more hits. Right. There are deep cuts in there that are great. They've got a great, great songs. This one is more poppy. It does feel like this one should be better, should be, should have more sales. 
But I think you're right that with the digital age, songs like Monkey Wrench are going to get more streams. Everlong is just going to get more streams. My Hero is going to get more streams than Always. probably any song on here, with the exception of maybe Learn to Fly. That's, the, that's to me, like, there's your single. That was the yep. big hit. Yep. And most of the other songs that were single, like, they're great songs, but they're not necessarily singles. They're not as... Uh, from the last episode that uh, I believe Brett came up with the concept of uh, paying the bills songs. Yes. Yes. There are less paying the bills songs on here. Yes. I agree. Uh, There are more songs that you write to just to, you know, to write (laughs) that are like good songs. It's the, the words that Dave Grohl used in, uh, in a, in an interview from, you know, maybe like five or so years later that came after this were relax next phase of your life um you know just drinking beer and just hanging hanging out it's cathartic right i mean we mm-hmm. get color in the shape which for those who look past the singles understand that this is dave Grohl just trying to get the emotions out from his separation from his divorce and trying to internalize and understand those and get past those and move on from those and then he takes a deep breath and that's where and in that deep breath in that exhale is this and in that way, it, it, when I approached the album, I felt more comfortable coming into it. So I'm like, okay, knowing that, understanding that, listening to it now, I'm like, okay, I, I, I feel that exhale with him. I feel that comfort with him. He's back home, as you mentioned. He's in his own studio. He's got a band around him. He's got voices to lean on and people to work with and the ability to give someone else the sticks and the kit and say, okay, you can do this and I'll yeah. be here. It, he's getting comfortable in his own skin, finally. Thankfully, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. if you think about it, it's, it, it took a long time. It did. It took this a is, long time. As we listen to this and as we think, as we go through the tracks, you start to hear, there are things that I think about uh, with vocal recording. The first record, for sure. The second record, still to a degree. There's a lot of double tracking of his vocal. There's a very distinct early Dave Grohl sound. Yes. That as you know, if you know his voice moving forward with songs like stuff from In Your Honor, things uh, from like Echo Silence, Wasting Light, where he's more confident in his voice and what his sound is. Right. It has, like, there is a, there's a certain tone, and I believe it's them double tracking his vocals to like add a little bit more oomph to it, uh, where he, it just doesn't, it feels like the guy in his 20s who's not ready, who doesn't think that he should be the front man. He's used to being the drummer. And you start to hear in songs here. You still hear a little bit of it, but there's songs in here where you're like, oh, this, you're start, you have a little bit of like the, oh, he doesn't know if he could, if this is a song he can sing. And then you have songs like, oh, he's comfortable now. You're starting to see the transition of, I don't know if this is a real thing to this is, this is a big rock band. Right. They, they've, they've finally established. It's, yeah. it's, it's no longer just in the shadow of Nirvana trying to explain why this is not Nirvana. This is its own entity. And it can exist as its own entity. And I think he saw the success of it and said, okay, here's my career. Here's my path forward. Here's my, my sense of, of you know, self that I missed. And he moves on from it. Yeah. And now let's, let's begin talking about track by track. Uh, what makes There's Nothing Left to Lose so interesting to us. 
start with song number one over here. We've got Stacked Actors. Stacked Actors, which I, I thought was a really cool name when I saw it. I was like, oh, what's that song, what's that song about? Is it Stacked Actors or is it Stacked Actors? Because the way he pronounces it, it definitely sounds like Stacked Actors. That's, that's true. That's stacked true. from I, the rafters. You know, I can't, I can't read it personally any other way than Stacked Actors, but, but you know what? Stack, well, let's, let's just call it Stacked Actors just for the, yeah, why not? the sake of it. So this is, I think, a really great and fun uh, track to, to kick off with because yeah. – so the the guitar is in drop A. So uh, okay. just as like a guitar, like if you know theory or guitars, usually it's tuned to it's uh, E A D G B E, uh, the E A part. That's the that's the lowest notes. Usually, you know, like things like Nirvana and stuff, they'll be in drop D or you know you know E flat or something like that. To tune that down to a drop A is saying that you have a you're going real low. You're going a fifth lower. You're in grunge. It's a very, it's very like heavy. It's very heavy. It's something you'd see more in like a Queens of the Stone Age than you would in Foo Fighters, which is yep. why this is one of the few songs that does this. Right. But then you have that like vibey chorus. <laughs> this is one of those it's one of those great songs. It's <laughs> like, okay, you have heaviness and beauty and like softness in the same track and this is one of those like oh if you like heavy stuff oh they can do heavy you like that we can show you more right like you think it's you think this song is gonna be like a not necessarily a weenie beanie but like maybe like an exhausted yes you think it's gonna be like an exhausted and then i think it does this other thing yeah and then does this other thing for the chorus i'm like oh that's cool (laughs) you know it's it's when we were saying before this is a palatable album for everybody. You just have to explain to somebody who hasn't listened to Foo Fighters, it isn't a huge fan of this music, to listen to this song. And as they're listening, they're going to give you that face. And you're going to say, hold on, hold on. You, you, you'll get it. You'll get it in a second. Yeah. Just because it is that little transition point. If Cone the Shape, I thought of it this way. Um, and I thought about this for, for the last uh, you know, two records that we've talked about. What kind of song is the bridge between the two. Yeah. And I see stacked actors, stacked dead actors as being that <laughs> transition. Is. Yeah. Because it speaks to 95. It speaks to the grunge sound that Dave was familiar with and was in a lone and easy target trying to maintain. It is still the heavy rock tone, getting a little bit lighter, but there in color and the shape. And this is just the reminder piece the, yeah. the 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 bridge piece that says okay this is this is definitely the connector between the color yeah. and the shape yeah and this record this you can't if you started with something else mm-hmm. i can't even think of what else could start this record off with nothing, maybe nothing. the next song maybe breakout but nothing else really makes sense this has to start this record to like you know you you're used to the color and the shape we're gonna do something slightly off cue of that exactly exactly which brings us into that second song. Let's talk about Breakout. If you played Lego Rock Band as a child, I know I didn't, but if you did, you would have had this the ability. This was in Lego Rock Band? I kid you not. It was featured in Lego Rock Band. You would have the ability to play Breakout uh, in that game. That's so strange. That's so strange. Let, let me is, lead with that. I got I to gotta be honest. So this is a great song, and they started putting it back into the rotation they start i think they played it 
well, we saw them. Um, City Field? A couple times. I think, I think they brought it out at City Field. I think they did, yeah. Uh, and they definitely did uh, when we saw them at Cal Jam 2018. This is a great, this is a great song. I, I, don't, I was surprised that, you know, I had heard Learn to Fly, uh, but I, I was surprised I hadn't heard this song before this record. So what is it about this one compared to Learn to Fly that, that sticks out to you? You know, when, when you think about them, kind of, you have to think about them together. They're both so close to each other yeah. on the listing and in the album together. What is it about the two? I don't really know what it is exactly. I think this song is just, actually, I think I like this song more than Learn really? to Fly. Yeah. I, I think this has like a more, like there's like hits Foo Fighters and there's like, like the, you know, like the more, fullness of Foo Fighters music and this kind of speaks more to to that it's a little like it's not more poppy but it's more alt poppy I don't know if that makes sense no no, it does and it's it's a way for the Foo Fighters as they're exploring a more calm if you if that's even the right word sound to to start getting there and I think it's a good second song on the track mm-hmm. listing and the reason why it, it, it's it's for that reason because We've just hit that, you know, that grungy kind of uh, angry Dave Grohl. Uh, to go back to Stacked Actors really quickly, he talks about how this was, a, you know, kind of a message to Hollywood saying, I really don't agree with the, the phony and the fake that's going on there. And then Breakout, in quite a literal sense, is him breaking that norm. Is that, mm-hmm. okay, I have achieved commercial success, Hollywood success, though I'm not based in that area, but I get it. I get that level of fame. And I'm going to deviate from that as much as possible. I'm going to make sure that is not what I turn into or what I become. He's always remained a grounded person. He always remained break, broken out from the norm. Yeah. Um, he's always remained a pretty funny person in general with uh, <laughs> track three being probably the best example of how smart he is and how funny he can be. Learn I mean, to fly. It's, I actually... I don't think I actually heard this song until Rock Band. When Rock Band came out in, uh, I don't know, sometime in high school. This, like that, I had been listening to Foo Fighters. I had been listening to In Your Honor and One by One, Color in the Shape. Yep. Uh, first record. This is the first time I had heard a song from this record. I was like, oh, this is great. It's not like, it wasn't what I was looking for at the time. I was listening to stuff. I was listening to the first record a lot. So like, this was like, oh, this is pop rock cool i guess i could see how like the the thing i like went from went to here and then went to best of you but no it's cool honestly the best part about this song is the music video oh that's that's all i wanted to talk about to be perfectly honest this is this is a good song the chorus is great but it's this music video is hilarious you have to see it if you haven't dave grohl he he should win an oscar for this i mean the range five how many how many characters did he play in that? He plays the stewardess, the pilot, one of the passengers. I, be, I he might play two passengers. He, it's four or five people, but the range. Oh, yeah. Taylor Hawkins being one of the stewardesses as well. I mean, they, they do this a lot. They're great. I do want to take this time while we're listening to Learn to Fly to talk about this. Yes, I love their music videos. They make great music videos. Mm-hmm. They, they usually do one that's a little more serious or something like that, but. Sometime around, they did a little bit in the Mentos one, like with the in Big Me, mm-hmm. but at, during Color and the Shape and moving from there, whenever Dave Grohl directed a music video, you knew it was going to be a funny one. Like he, yep. 
this is where he starts to to build in that filmmaking thing is I want to do goofy stuff. Like if we're going to do promotional stuff, I don't want it to be just, you know, serious. Oh, it's a bunch of dudes looking like tough, you know, like the Creed videos were. The Nickelback videos. The Nickelback videos, like all those rock, all the rock from 1998, nine. What else was big? It was like the new metal stuff, all that like corn, Limbiscuit. It's like, yeah, we don't need, no, we don't need to be like, oh, we're serious. Like, well, we could poke fun at ourselves. We could be silly. And that's one of the things that's so great about them. It's one of the things that's great about this song. This song is great. I know we're not talking about the song, but it's, this is definitely, there's one of those things that's like so wonderful about them. It's, also kind of unique to your point because i think back to you know nirvana days and the music videos from nirvana days and those are those are heady those serious are, those are dramatic the lighting very sepia dark brown tones and moody, moody. and then all of a sudden dave grohl gives the rock world permission to be funny to be comedic, to laugh at itself. I don't think Tenacious D happens without Learn to Fly. I feel like it's a butterfly effect in a way. I mean, they were in the video. They were, but my but that, but my point being is that that like evolution, that that kind of that that, yes, that, ex- that acceptance, yes. that acceptance of that. Yes, they they would not be able to do as much. They brought them along and said, "Yes, we are going to legitimize this because it's not a subset of rock anymore." in Foo Fighters' minds. They say this is an adjacent emotion to rock music. Rock is not all downtrodden. Rock is not all negative. It comes from places, it, you know, rock has origins in blues and blues has origins in deep, you know, you know, difficult emotions and feelings. And they say, in order to play the blues, you have to feel the blues. But in order to play rock, Dave Grohl is showing you, you don't have to feel rock. You just have to enjoy, you know, the, the time you have playing. Have fun with people. it. Exactly. And they do that. They do that a lot, and it's one of the things that's so great about them. It's what why people keep going to shows because they are constantly having fun. It's why you listen to their music because they're enjoying making right. it and playing it. It's also worth mentioning just very quickly. Back in 2015, a very viral video came out of 1,000 musicians in Italy all playing in unison to Foo Fighters. Uh, gained millions upon millions of views on YouTube. Another testament to just how popular the song is, how uh, how much it touches people. Obviously, Foo Fighters were touched by it, but you know, just please, you know, if you're going to start with any song, we'd like you to always start with track one. If you want to start with the single, this is it. This is the single off of Nothing Left to Lose. But there's still a lot more great songs that come after this. Track number four being one they actually play a good amount in, in their shows. Give me stitches. Um, I'm a fan. I, yeah. I, I think this is an interesting one. This is the one where it's like coming off Learn to Fly. Right. You have this kind of like country riff, I want to call it. It's like a sort of like a, not folky. It's not folky, but it has no, like, like a, America- it has like a twang to it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you see how like the future guitarist Chris Sheffler kind of fits into a song like this. Yes. Yes. Who is a, who is a, somewhat of a country guy. Yeah. Con- country origin. Yeah. Very much, but this has that has that with that little. It's a good song. Do you it grooves? Do do you let me ask you this because um, I I still like I said I still like the song. Um, do you think it fits though? Do you think it fits? Yeah, I think it does. I think it goes with it. Do you not? Do you not think it belongs here? 
Not, no, no, not that I don't think it belongs. I just don't know if maybe it belongs at this spot in the track listing. Only reason I say that is because it is just enough of a departure uh, for me in that country sense that you're referring to that maybe it could, f- if I could flip, I'm even, I'm looking at the track, track listing right now. If I could maybe throw in like a, like a next year, perhaps. Interesting. Right there, you so you, you'd, you'd want to punt, you'd, you know, you'd, you'd stack them up heavy. I, where, I, where I, you'd put breakout, learn to fly. And then next year as the singles, just throw them all at all, all at once at them. I mean, the way I think about it is that we're in an era where it's still heavy CD wrote the way to play music. If you're going to get someone, my opinion is if you're going to get them immediately hooked, this comes from my radio days. If you want to get them immediately hooked, just play the stuff as soon as you can. The singles right now. I disagree. I think you got to, you got to sprinkle it in. You got to have waves, which is an issue I have with the next, with their next album, which we'll, we'll talk about in the next out in the The next next album. Okay. The next album. I have a a very big issue with their track listing, but we'll get there. Um, But I love this because you go from that, from that single and like, you know, you go from the single, learn to fly, and you've got this like groovy thing. Like it's country, it's twang, but it also has like a like a kind of rock groove thing. They, you know, they're you're kind of grooving and moving. It has a one of the things that they talk about for the new album, Medicine at Midnight. They talk about it being their party rock record, their dance record. It's their let's dance. Hmm. This kind of feels like the closest they were that Dave was going to come to. Like I want to write a let's dance but I'm not going to write Let's Dance. I'm not going to be able to do anything like that. So this is the closest he gets. This to me gives a, a vibe similar to something that I've seen um, at Queens of the Stone Age shows. Uh, one of the bands that they're, they're very close with. Yeah. And like all of their, like a lot of their stuff, especially from like villains and, you know, the, not the early stuff, like uh, songs from the deaf, but like some of the, like the newest stuff. It grooves. It's very groovy, sort of like them Crooked Vultures type stuff. It has this kind of groove. You can kind of vibe on it, and that, that's what this kind of feels like. If if people were like, this is this is one they'd play like, they just did something kind of slow, and before they like really kick it up, they're like, okay, well let's just keep let's just like kind of like get them to like swing their hips. Let's get yeah. these guys to like kind of sway a little bit and like casual dance before we throw them into you know another pit. Something harder, yeah, like something, even, something like generator, just like carry track. Yes, yes. So let's let, let's go into generator. No, no, no I'll let you finish your sentence before we jump. My in. my tangent isn't worth uh, you know missing a conversation about generator because the thing I wanted to really like bring up with generator um, is getting a sense of just the influences that Dave Grohl is taking in right now. Um, you know, because there is one instrument. I, I guess you can call it an instrument that makes a special appearance in this song. You're talking about the talk box. I am talking about one of the most unique instruments in music, the talk box. What I love about this, so for those who have, don't know what a talk box is, it's essentially a guitar pedal that has a rubber tube that you kind of put, you, you kind of speak into it. You put, I, that's right. Our friend, uh, friend of the show, Brett, uh, he had one that we used to play in a, a band. He would use it to try to do some of those like Peter Frampton stuff. So it's, it's, it's popular because of things like Peter Frampton, the song, do yep. you feel like we do Joe Walsh? Yep. Joe Walsh does it. Yep. Yeah. That like, that's, where it sounds like the guitar is talking. Yeah. I, I've listened to it a lot. 
but like where it sounds like the guitar is talking. That is because the guitar pedal is hooked in to a tube that you put your mouth into. It's not like you talk in like onto it like a microphone. You like really put it into your throat. And you also have that up to the microphone. Right. And you make the sounds that you need to make and you play the the notes at the same time. It's kind of tricky if you're not like a singer guitarist or something like that. If you're not able to multitask, it can be a little tricky. But so he's making the sounds using using the talk box. And it's the only song that he uses it for that I've ever heard of. Ever. <laughs> and I and I gotta be honest, I'm just like, I wanna know. I love this song. This is one of my favorites on the record. Mm-hmm. I want to know what he was thinking. Dave, if you're listening, I'm sure you are. Of course. Come message us. Uh, you know, we have, we'll we're, have on, you on. we're on Twitter. Uh, you know, we have an email account. Come message us. Have us come on the show. Yeah. We want to talk to you about, you know, what was going on. Whose idea? Was it yours? Was it, was it the producers? Adam Casper? What brought this talk box in? Why have you never used it? since and i understand why this song doesn't get played a lot because it requires another instrument it requires another thing in your pedal board it requires a thing attached to your microphone stand it's probably a pain in the ass to deal with not a big deal i can accept that but but we just want to know what what brought you to to bring this into the song it's a great addition track six aurora, aurora. is my favorite song of theirs i think period wait wait wait, wait, wait. period hold on i need to take a breath and a pause andrew williamson will you go on the record and say aurora is your favorite foo fighter song of all i will say it is absolutely in my top five and Uh, but i do not i don't hmm. yeah i i I don't want to like speak so i am not having thought about it too much but this is one of my favorite songs of theirs. It's probably my favorite song of theirs. It's definitely my favorite one that's not a single. It's my favorite one that I've never heard live. This is a beautiful song. It's, and, and I think Dave's even said in interviews, this is, it's like existential. The guitar parts are beautiful. There's a line. Uh, it's like a little bit about, you know, life and moving on and, you know, which it seems to have come outside, like right out of the color and the shape. Like, how do I move forward with my life? But it also has this existential, you know, talk about death. And there's this weird line that I love. Um, I just kind of died for you and you just kind of stared at me. And I, I it's just like, I love that line. And I, I've, I've always felt a connection to that. And I don't know this record as well as some of the other ones that I've, you know, spent, you know, so much more time. I've probably spent more time on things like this is a call or best of you or my hero. But when I found this song, this very, I mean, we're at the halfway point in this record. This song really hits home with me. And I think that this is this song is probably like the clinching of like, okay, this is probably one of my favorite records of theirs. I did, and I hadn't spent much time with it, but it's a beautiful song. What, what is your thoughts on it? I don't know if I could top that because I think one thing that listeners should keep in mind, 
Andrew and I are both very big Foo Fighters fans, though I owe a lot of my fandom to Andrew because he invited me to my first show, my second, my third. Uh, He was instrumental in guiding me through the sort of listening process, the immersion process of the Foo Fighters. And so I'm a fan by proxy, though I am still a fan on my own. So when I hear you say that this is your favorite record that is not traditionally performed live on this album and could be throughout the discography as we continue talking about it, I actually get it. And here's the thing. When I listened to the song, I didn't think it would be your favorite. There was nothing that necessarily stood out in a way that made me suggest that it would. The only reason why I thought it may not is because I thought you might connect more with what was more akin to Nirvana sound than Foo Fighters sound. Because I think, above all else, you are a Dave Grohl fan. And because of that, you are connected to the whole timeline of Dave Grohl's I think that that could be, at this point, fair. I think in high school, I was definitely a Nirvana fan. Yes. And Foo Fighters was kind of part of that, which is why in high school, the first record was the one that I connected to most, Mm -hmm. uh, which is why I was so passionate about it when I was talking about it in the previous one. But yeah, at this point, yes, I would agree that I am a... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so that's why I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad that we've gotten to that point so early because I'm glad we can have this conversation about it. I would say that I do not connect as personally, but that does not take away from how brilliant this song is. The lyric you pointed out was actually kind of one of the ones that I wanted to point out. It just kind of died for you. You just kind of stared at me. Uh, the continuation of that, that verse is, we will always have the chance we can do this one more time. And when you, it, it's, it's kind of, in my opinion, it follows this trend of, do take a moment to read the lyrics uh, ladies and gentlemen, I think, especially with rock music and Dave Grohl's style of it, it's very easy to just listen to the melody and listen to... Or just sing to the chorus. Or sing to the chorus and just disregard the rest of what he's writing. He's writing something. He's not yeah. writing to just get to the chorus. He's writing something. Yeah. This song, and I was just thinking about this now, uh, for those who uh, know the artist Billy Joel, I swear this is the only time I will bring him up. I hope. I'm, I'm keeping a counter. Um, so far, one. Um, for those who know his music, his style, the the, the album The Stranger, uh, there's a song called Vienna. It's a very emotional song. It, it kind of has this emotional feel to it. It's not something that most people initially think of. Like, people love it, but it's like, like, the deep fans love it. When he started doing the shows at Madison Square Garden, he was asking people, like, oh, like, what should I, should I play Vienna or should I play this song? And every time people would go Vienna, and every time he plays Vienna, yep. people lose their mind. Yeah. This to me has that same, Aurora has the same feel of Vienna emotionally. That's how it connects to me. I see that. I see that. But we're not talking about Billy Joel. This we're is not. Foo Fighters podcast. That's we're right. talking about Foo Fighters. That's right. Let me ask you this before we move on to the next song. Would Aurora end side A or start side B? Looking at what comes next, I think it might be the end of side A. Okay. Okay. It looks, just looking at where it comes, I mean, Generator could end side A, but I do feel like track seven, Live in Skin, might be a better start to a side. This is all going off of and there. This 
this is on vinyl. You can buy it on vinyl. I don't have it on vinyl. I have it on a CD. This, I, I don't know, probably it could. It seems more like an end of side A than it does a start to side B. Whereas live in skin feels a little bit more like a start to side B. But it also feels like it could also end the record. So tell me how you were feeling uh, coming out of Aurora into Live in Skin. What, what did it do for you to, to then hear that transition? So you have the soft, and then it kind of has a slow pick back up. This, one thing about this record is it's not as much like how Color and the Shape or Foo Fighters is, where it has these like sharp, yeah. very sharp turns yeah. of we're loud, we're soft, we're loud, we're soft. Right. All of these songs have a very smooth transition of this is a soft emotional song or it's loud to, oh, we're kind of soft. Most of it fit, like, kind of goes into this wave. This is part of the wave back up. You know, Generator is loud. It, Aurora goes down into a soft groove. And then Live in Skin goes, you know, kind of slowly goes back up. This is one of those songs that also feels like most of, most of these songs kind of have like a very like this does not fit anywhere else. This has to be on this record, right? A song like, you know, like Aurora, like Generator, Give yeah. Me Stitch. Pretty much everything that's happened so far, all of it fits. Live in Skin's one of those ones where it's like it couldn't have come before. It might have come after, but it it definitely fits perfectly where it is. Yes, there's a lot but that it, has to happen in Dave Grohl's songwriting before this yeah. to get to this point. This song also, I was just thinking, this song also could have been the end of the, could have been the end of the album. It kind of has, it kind of has that like last, either last song energy or second to last song energy. Mm. You wouldn't give that to MIA? You wouldn't keep that where it is? I probably will. Uh, we'll, you know, when we get to the end we'll, of it. We'll get to that. We'll get, we'll to, get to that. that. But yeah, yes. but you know, uh, but it definitely has like, it, it feels like it kind of has like a, not finality, but it does have like a penultimate vibe. I don't know. It, it, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up the, the change in emotion that happens in this album, because it's really worth reminding people that when you listen to Foo Fighters and Color in the Shape, you are in for more of a roller coaster ride than you are with There Is Nothing Left to Lose know that going in and maybe even when you listen to it remind yourself that that is what ha what's happening here because this is a band maybe that's kind of you know they were swerving a little bit on the road and they've kind of brought it back to the to the center lane mm -hmm. and so uh, this is a this is a to your point it's a great example of how this we're kind of getting we're getting there we're getting there mm -hmm. but we're getting up to i think one of my favorite songs on the record number eight i do think that living skin though goes perfectly into yeah next year it, it, yes it does it does if when i was listening to uh next year um what i was thinking about was first of all just the you know the the pop sensibilities uh, mm -hmm. the reason why i put it so high in the track listing almost after i learned to fly because i'm like let's just you know let's 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 put those those great songs towards the top i feel like you know that's that's a great place for it but it's it's kind of a a a testament to the time so to speak i think a lot of other rock bands were, were taking this approach with songs they were stripping down perhaps a little bit they were becoming a little more melodic yeah. um 
you know, when I was doing some research, comparisons were coming up to Wonderwall. Um, and I think, you know, uh, I think if you went to a record store or Tower Records during the day, maybe, you know, if you walked in saying, I like next year, they'd point you to, you know, that, that to area. More, to more Oasis. That area of the aisle. I think yeah. they would do that anyway. I think Foo Fighters and Oasis maybe were kind of like the respective yep. kings were the respective kings of rock in their in their countries across yeah across the atlantic i i would say um so when you hear next year you're like you know if you're a fan of both and i am a fan of both i i i, I draw parallels and, yeah. and in a great way uh what about you what do you think i know i totally hear that um i first heard this song on the skin and bones uh okay. the live acoustic record so this is one i hadn't heard it before uh i had heard it there obviously. So I, I knew the song, but I didn't hear it as like a, this version I'd heard it in the live setting. Uh, but I do like this. I do. I do like this version a lot and it's a great song. It really, it really is a good song. I'm, I'm happy that it was a single and that they did bring it back for the skin and bones shows because it's a, it's, it's a very good song and I don't feel like it got a lot of play in the early, at least I didn't hear about it during the in your honor sense and it, it hasn't come back since or not that i've seen it and so it's, it's kind of nice to it's a great song i'm happy that they did it there in an acoustic setting where it could get its uh proper due uh, yeah as if like to remind people you know we th- this was a single at one point like let's not forget you know, yeah, we was, got a, we got great songs that are you know in that like soft sound it's it's an ironically underrated album, and that's a point I want to kind of get to as we continue. Yeah. let's go to let's go to number nine, Headwires. It's somewhere in between Gimme Stitches and Aurora. In terms of like your favorite, or just in no, terms I mean of in terms sound. of sound. Okay, sound. It has like sonically, it's very similar to Aurora, but it has this groove. And I was I'm listening to it, you know, and we're like, you know, they've got a little bit of party, and it has like an indie sound to it. You listen to it, and you're like, oh, it has this like what we consider indie rock this is something that would play in an indie rock it, yes. it's chorus does it. it's chorus is a lot heavier mm-hmm. but the, those verses are just grooving just help you feed the wires when your head unwinds you know <laughs> yeah yeah um i like yeah. it i like i think it's a great song it's 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 just dave Grohl just just being himself it's just him so comfortable in his own skin, so mm-hmm. willing to just do what he feels may be um, interesting. Um, it's kind of funny though. He was he was asked about Headwires specifically in many interviews that he's done. Um, he talked about it being, <laughs> in his words, a mediocre mid '80s radio rock effort. I mean, I hear it as like an '80s. I hear it as like an '80s song. Like he's like ripping off an '80s song. I, I get that. I, I get it, but you know, mediocre. The guy does nothing mediocre. That's my, that's my opinion. That being said, it's not like it's a song that stayed. The style, the style of this song of Generator Aurora. I think a lot of chorus, very heavy, like mm-hmm. chorus, and by not chorus isn't like the chorus of a song, but like the chorus sound, right? Uh, for guitar sounds, very much was here in this record. And then they never touched it again. Or at least he <laughs> never touched it again. It, like, it's very clear that there's songs like Headwires and Aurora and Generator. They don't, they don't happen anywhere else. You don't hear an Aurora in Sonic Highways. You don't hear that in, right. in you know, 
wasting light. Got to wonder though, it, why? I mean, while I we're know. on that question, is it because it was not commercially as successful as Color in the Shape? Is did, it because... did people not react? Did, were the people that were at the shows in 1999, that 2000 tour, uh, did they not react to the songs very well? And so right. they said, people like Monkey Wrench, let's do more Monkey Wrenches. I don't know. Dave, uh, or anyone else in the band. I, I, don't, I don't know why I'm singling Nate, out. Pat, Dave. Taylor, anybody. Taylor, yeah. Chris, Rami, We're here. Come, come on the show. The Zoom is open. The Zoom is here. We'll give you the link. Come on. Let's talk about this. What, why were these songs not chosen? I, I mean, I would love to hear a version of Headwires that has like a funky 80s piano part on top of this guitar line. What they could do now, they've got their yeah, no, not, not touring pianist anymore. No, he's official. Yeah, he's an official member. He's I'd like to hear it. So, again, what, what, well, when we, we have them all on, we're going to do, I think we should do a whole, a whole show, a full show. Well, maybe a half show. We'll do like a half hour where we just do all of these deep cuts. Songs like Headwire, yeah. Aurora, Hey Johnny Park. We'll have fun with it. You know? I'm up. I'm up for that. I'm up for yeah. that. So, but, and we'll 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 make popcorn for them. Ooh, what kind of popcorn? Um, classic buttered. buttered I think like movie movie. I think it's like some movies, you know, movie theater style. You know, because you know we can't go into the movies. True. Corona. Yeah. Or at least in New York, you can't. I can't speak for you know wherever you're listening, but here in New York, that's just not a thing that happens anymore. Right. So. You know, we'll get some like movie theater style popcorn. We'll get some of that fake butter on it. We'll ship, then we'll put that in a box. We'll ship that to California. And, uh, you know, they can have some popcorn while we talk about why they don't play these songs on tour anymore and then play them for us. There you go. But this isn't about popcorn. No, no, it's not. It's not about movies. Or the movies. It's about the Foo Fighters. Yeah. And track 10, Ain't It the Life. I I ask as a question Ain't It the Life? the life i'll be honest every time i hear this song i think it's the end of the record really it has such a closer feel yeah i listen to this song not to jump to mia because i want to talk about any of the life but mm-hmm. i hear this song and i always and i'm like oh wow gr- man this is a really great record and then i hear mia and i was like oh my god there's a to- there's a whole other song after this oh my god i think that they did this one also in skin and the bones too actually I- they it's not on the record. I, they might have done it like in the might be in the DVD. I don't remember. But this is a great song. It's a very soft song, very quiet. You know, what was your opinion on it, Pete? I, I was trying to think when I was listening to this about the order in which these songs were made. And maybe because, you know, if we try to take 1995 Foo Fighters theory and apply it to all records, I think some you, along the way you. You know, with the exception of Sonic Highways, maybe you you don't always get it right. Yeah. I think that at at certain points, Dave Grohl is with his band, getting to certain songs at different times and putting them on the record at different times based on both commercial value and just cadence of the album. I feel like Ain't the Life, and I would say even you know, Give Me Stitches or Aurora were kind of happening at the same time. They were mm-hmm. all like in a similar train of thought. You know yeah. what I mean? Just as this simple, like, just chill moment. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm trying to do it, when I listen to these records in general is just get past the, you know, 
the order in which it is in, the feeling it makes me feel at the moment in which it is in, but think beyond that and say, well, what was his mindset? What was he thinking? Where was he? And I think he was just in, in a, a moment of bliss. I think he was just happy. Yeah. I think he was, he was, as I said before, just completely and utterly confident in himself and his ability to put together a band and a career and a future that will define him for, you know, over, you know, 20 years post this record. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, Ain't It The Life could be one of those songs that like, if he wants to like go out, I hope he never does. If he ever wants to go out one, one year and say, this is a farewell tour of sorts. This could be, this should be on, on They've the talked practicing. To, this this has come out on. occasional times when they, like, they always say like, oh, the last record is like the, the record that's come out. Oh, this is definitely our last one. Cause they never yeah. assume that like, they kind of, you know, they take things for like, you know, they enjoy every moment. You know, it's yeah. like, this isn't going to last. There's no way this could keep lasting. <laughs> this definitely has that feel. Yeah. Uh, they talk about that during the Echo Silence, Patience and Grace mm-hmm. uh, record. They did that um, when they were on tour. They're like, if there's one song that like does that, they're like, I guess Home. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. But it's like, I that also home. has that feel of like, yeah, we're done. Like, if this is the last song, if this is the last song, like the swan song, like, cool. All right. This is it. But yeah, I think they've got like a handful of those. They could do a whole, they could do a whole, like a whole half hour show, which we're, we're not going to promote that one because that that's implying that they're done. We're not going to promote that sort we're of concept, done. but, but uh, yeah, you know, it definitely has that. Like you, if they wanted to like, we're going to take 10 years off and go like sit martinis on a beach. <laughs> They could end on, they could like have this song. Also, I can, I kind of see this if they were to make a music video for this song yeah. of them just like sit drinking martinis on a beach, just like kind of like turn to the, turn to the camera, ain't it the life. <laughs> just, hey. <laughs> hey. Uh, just, 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 you know, label out, pause for a second, mm-hmm. credits roll, you know. But this isn't the end of the no. album, as you mentioned. As much as I think it is every time I listen to it. And it might as well be because that is an even number 10. And maybe this would be considered a bonus, perhaps, if you want to look at it that way. MIA is what officially ends the track listing. Um, and Andrew, how did you feel with this actually being the end, as opposed to Aid of the Life being the end? I think it's a great song. I, I just always get surprised when I, when I get there. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is another great, this is another like, good uh, Foo Fighters song. It's, it's, what's fun about this is that it starts you know, very quiet, and it has like, you're coming off of this, again, these aren't, sharp turns they're very they're curves you're riding waves as you go through it so you're kind of at this soft point you're like ah we've eased into the end of the record and then there's this song and it starts off very quiet and then kicks back up to rock band style and it's great to hear like you know you come back in and you kind of have a in a sort of weird way you have this bookend from stacked actors Stack, stacked it. See, I can't say stacked actors. It's stacked stacked it actors. actors. And I know that's not how it's spelled. It's, it's how he says it. It's how he says it. You have stacked actors that has this sort of clear beginning. And then you have this like sort of similar sound. It's a very, it's a hard rock sound. Or, but it's changed as you've gone through the record and you've gone through these emotions and you've gone through and it started to accept where you are and how a softer song like Ain't It The Life and you move through, it's a new, it's kind of like a new path. Right. I'm going to present a theory. I want to get your thoughts on this. Yeah. 
we say ain't it the life feels like a conclusion yeah. mia not necessarily shoehorned into the end but maybe just takes you by surprise enough that it you know it's surprising that it's there yeah. and i read the lyrics after i listened to the song is this about kurt it could be i don't know i mean like dave's the one that usually writes the lyrics so dave you know let us know we'll bring the popcorn let's know we'll supply yeah, the popcorn. We'll bring popcorn as we said but I, I i don't know i'm not really sure the reason why i bring it up on this one and i will not make it a running thing because that is the prevailing joke in the foo fighters world is is this about kurt and you of know, course this is not about this is not a nirvana show this is not, this is not a nirvana you know this is not a nirvana 2.0 band no it they're is not. they're a separate thing right I will leave it on this, though, if I could just read the chorus. I'm going MIA. Tonight I'm leaving. Going MIA. Getting lost in you again is better than being numb. I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm sorry. This is one of the few songs. I am not as familiar with what is to come pre-Wasting Light as you are. But this, up until this point, has felt the most connected to how he feels about Kurt Cobain. Up until this point, three albums in, I felt I, because the abruptness with which it kind of comes into the record, that surprise finish mm-hmm. of it, like it wouldn't, it, it wouldn't shock me if years later, you know, 50 years after the Foo Fighters started, Dave Grohl's just kind of sitting there with a few more grades than, than, than he has and just say, you know what? I'll let you know which ones are about Kurt. I'll make a playlist about it. And this is towards the top of it. It'd be like, yeah, all right, I saw it. Maybe I saw it coming. I don't know. But Could that be. is the official track listing of there's nothing left to lose. However, there were more songs that were released around the record. Yes. Uh, there are two uh, B sides that were not covers. As we said in the last episode, we're going to take all the covers. We're going to do a bonus episode. We're going to talk about all the covers they do. Right. Uh, Brett's already uh, said he wants to join. So, He's more than welcome. Yeah, but there are two. Uh, first one being Fraternity. Thought it was okay. Just okay. There's a version. Of, wouldn't yeah. have made the record. So there's a no. It wouldn't have made. I don't think either of these of the two B sides would have made the record. Okay. I think that the if you were to choose eleven songs that were recorded for this record, this was it. They chose the right ones. This was it. Okay. Um, so Fraternity was. I guess it was like a bonus track for like japan and australia there's a version of it from a bbc recording uh on spotify on one of the uh eps like it's not as good as the worst song on the record so in your mind well what it's what interesting what is what in in your mind is the worst song on the record if, if you had to say the worst I, you know i wouldn't say that i mean i can't it's really hard this is this is one where i'm like oh you know like i i, I there's like there are clear, there's a clear choice for me of like the, the, the song I like the least on the first record or this, you know, but this one I would say maybe live in skin, hmm. maybe MIA. I don't know. This, this one's a little harder. I like a lot of the songs on this. The, what I'm finding is that this record is becoming more my favorite than I really thought it was. I think it's that second listen. I think a lot of yeah. Foo Fighters fans in general should listen back to this one as just a reminder of the breadth of musicality. I think there are not just specific instruments that don't make appearances anywhere else, but there are certain melodies and themes that don't make it anywhere else. Yeah. Songs that unless medicine and midnight is going to surprise us, 
may not come back in the I'm guessing not. Foo Fires history. I think they've probably moved yeah. on from this, but yeah. glad that they took this moment to make this. Yeah. Yes, um, I am too. Uh, but yes, Fraternity is fine. It is an interesting listen. It's cool to hear it. I, I had not he- heard these B-sides before. This is the one of the first records I had not heard the B-sides of. Hmm. Uh, there's a couple other ones there. It's like, oh, I hadn't heard that these songs before this is like the first listen but fraternity i was like oh that's interesting uh probably won't listen to it again well not listen not won't listen to it again i might listen to it again but not yeah. like i'm not i'm not fighting for it uh to be on a set list the way i am for aurora or good grief um same with make a bet uh which we'll actually talk about again on the next episode because they re-recorded this song uh for with chris shefflett for the next record which it did not make uh as a win or lose but this version uh is cool i i don't know which version i like more maybe we'll talk about it next week the two b-sides i heard them they're okay they don't stack up to the rest of the record but let's talk about the record as a whole now that we've gone through it uh what's your opinion what do you what do you think would you change anything how where do you think it well we'll talk about where we think it stands but would you change anything uh no no i wouldn't And, and i think because um I want each record to tell a different story and thus far it has. Yeah. And I think because like we said at the very beginning, we want to place ourselves in the moment of when this record is being created. It's very easy in hindsight to dissect this thing. Yeah. But if you are in 1999 and this is just the most recent record you have, like, you know, what sets it apart, what makes it worth continuing to be a fan. And I think if you just, take a minute to listen to it it surprises you i think surprise was like a big thing that kept coming up in my mind is that yeah. i know learn to fly I, I know that song as well as everybody else who isn't even a foo fires fan but it just it kind of occurred to me that like you know this is this is a a welcome surprise um a good feel record i think it was a very good feel record in a lot of places um, it feels slightly more matured and, and a lot more mature absolutely i think there's you know, you got to remember the history here. It started as a one-man project and turned into a full-fledged band, seemingly overnight, but not so. You know, and it's and it's easy to discredit that, and yeah. easy to look at a twenty-five-year-old band and say this is how it's always been. It has not. So there's growth and evolution here, and it's happening at a good pace. And it's 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 something that I appreciate being part of the history. I'm glad they sat and decided to do this. What what about what about you? What do you what do you think about this record? Uh, I love it. Uh, like I said, I didn't get into it initially. Didn't fit with my concept of what Foo Fires was. I thought it was interesting, uh, weird. Uh, and then I think more recently, I don't know if it's get older or aging or whatever, but in the last couple of years, this has ended up, this record has ended up in my rotation more. I listen to, I usually listen to records in full, so I don't listen to it as a sing. I don't usually listen to, you know, just like, you know, shuffle. I usually listen to singles as full or whatever, but this record has come on more so than the records that I started listening to. You know, I started listening to in your honor. I started listening to, you know, one by one Foo Fighters. This record is coming up in my mind way more than those. Maybe not as much as, you know, but others, but this is definitely an underrated record for sure. Without and question, I love it. As so, we we're here now. 
this is, you know, they do this record. It, you know, it wins, it wins Grammys. This is the first one to win Grammys. First time, 2001, best rock album. And I don't know. Like, so we're now here. It's the end of the, this is the last record for the nineties. The last of the nineties. It's, you know, they've, this is their third for the nineties. Their records come out in decade trilogies. So this is, we're in the nineties trilogy. We've just finished that off. Let's talk for a quick second about uh, where, where, how we're sitting so far. How do you feel about, how do you feel about their albums so far? Uh, and where, how do you feel like, do you feel comfortable ranking these, these albums at this point of these three? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah? yeah, I do. And it may not surprise anybody um, if you understand my background. Number one, actually, I'll start with number three. Number three is kind of tough. I hate to say it. As much as I praise the record we talked about today, I'm going to put there is nothing left to lose at three. Doesn't make it bad. But doesn't make it bad. It's, it's three of three great it's, records. It's so. three of three great records. Bronze it's, is still a medal. It's, it's <laughs> very well Bronze put. Bronze is still a medal, man. It's in my mind, it's going to be high up there as we get through the rest of the list. But right now, it's number three. Number two is Foo Fighters, the debut of '95. Number one is Color and the Shape. I got to be honest, I completely agree with you. Nice. That is exactly where I would put it. And I, as much as I've said, I love this record. Some of the songs on this are my favorites. There is, there is definitely, and I've, you know, I've talked about how the first record is one of my favorite records of all time. But this, like, Coloring the Shape definitely has more of a story. It has more feel to it. Right. The, this is, I appreciate that you and I are seeing these the same way. You know, well, we, I, I, th- I expected us to. I expected yeah, us that's to. true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, we'll get other people's opinions as we go through. But, you know, they have a lot more going on, you know. Uh, and I'm really excited. This was, this was really great. Uh, you know, before, before we get on to, you know, saying our goodbyes to, get point us to the next record yes i do want to talk a little bit about the tour that they did as they go into this so they go yes. into they go into 2000 they're going in it's you know end of 1999 they're putting out this record they need another guitarist they find chris shiflett in open auditions uh who they liked because his interest in punk he was a he was like a punk rock guy kind of fit with dave's thing he also was one of the only people that actually sang backup vocals to the songs when they were auditioning there. That's you know, cool. Played, he like actually sang up to the microphone. It's like, Oh, cool. So you feel like you could fit in with this. So they do, they do the new, they're doing this new tour and they ended up touring with in 2000, uh, the red hot chili peppers. I think that's really cool. I would have loved to have gone to that show. Could you imagine? It was Red Hot Chili Peppers for the Californication tour. This is when John Frusciante came back to the band. The first time. Because he's doing it again. The first time, right. The first time. Keyword. How amazing to go see Foo Fighters. They're they're doing the songs from these three records. So you're getting Foo Fighters, you're getting Color in the Shape, and you're getting that there's nothing left to lose. You're not getting any anything else. And then and then they end their set. And then Red Hot Chili Peppers. Did they ever go on stage together? That's why I, I think they know. did a little bit of shenanigans together. I was looking at like Setlist FM, and uh, they had some stuff like 
you know, like uh, Chad Smith came on and did some sort of drum thing, which I think would have been, I, I don't know if this would happen, but how wonderful could it have been to have seen like a triple drum solo situation? We, do you or, know that we almost saw that? Do you know that we, you and I, Andrew, almost saw that? Saw what? A triple drum solo between Dave Grohl, Taylor Hawkins, and Chad Smith. Do you know we were this close? Well, do you know well, where we were? I, I honestly don't know. So what, what, am, what am I missing in my... So, so we went to Jones Beach, either 2017 or 18, to see Foo Fighters. We are waiting for uh, the opener to begin, sitting in our seats in the amphitheater. Chad Smith literally walks through the, the general admission seats, up the stage, into the back, backstage. And I point out to you, because he's got that signature like baseball cap, that he always wears backwards. And you can just kind of tell his build, like who you he sure is. sure it wasn't Will Ferrell? Could have been. Could have been. Eyes Could've do been. deceive from that distance. I just remember tapping on the shoulder, being like, that's Chad Smith right down there. And the whole show, you and I looked at each other and said, he's going to come out now. Like, they're doing intros now. He's got to come out now. And so- What we got instead was we did get- was close. Uh, we, we did get John Travolta to come and dance on stage, though. That, that was kind of fun. That is true. Yeah. He did. he did. That is true. One fun thing about going to see a Foo Fighters show when- uh, shows come back is that people love people of all types love Foo Fighters, even celebrities. And every once in a while, when a celebrity goes to see them and they go backstage, they usually pay for it by having to go on stage. That's right. They get a little humiliated. I they think get a little uh, humiliated because they think they can be uh, yeah. better than the rest. But that's right. But no, you know, that's not what happens at a Foo Fighters show. You get humbled. So I, I just thought that was a very interesting thing. They go on tour. They do a big tour, and then. The fourth record. One by one. Released in October. All the, look at all the twos in this. October 22nd, 2002. Wow. It was the first of the 2000s. It was the fourth in their history. And it is not something we are covering today. We will be right. talking about that We're in the next episode. Up until next time. So this has been our analysis, our personal breakdown of There Is Nothing Left to Lose, the 1999 release by the Foo Fighters. Uh, if you would like to listen to our two previous episodes on The Color and the Shape and the Foo Fighters debut, go over to Music Unsubscribed on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere podcasts are available. Follow us on Music Unsub Pod, Music Unsub Pod on social media. That's where we'll be maintaining some updates on the show. Twitter. Twitter, Instagram. But again, thank you so much for listening. My name is Peter. My name is Andrew. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.